Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 175. Welcome back, Adam Antimaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and thank you so much for tuning in today. If you're one of our Canadian listeners, I hope you enjoyed the long weekend. Let's attack this short week ahead together. We've got a very cool episode for you today, a very unique artist on the podcast today. I discovered this band a number of years ago, as some of you might know. I do some concert photography and music journalism, and I've been doing that you know, years before I started this podcast. So before I started photographing for radio stations, uh, I used to shoot for this online publication and I requested to shoot Flogging Molly, who are a Celtic punk band and me coming from an Irish family was something I was very interested in. And at that show, they were co-headlining with this band called Gogo Bordello, who are described as a gypsy punk band. And since that night, I have been a fan. Their live shows are something to behold. The energy levels are at an all-time high. It feels like one big European party, although you'll find out in the interview they don't necessarily like it being described that way. And so I've been following them ever since. Their music is fantastic and very unique, but it's the live show that you've really got to experience when it comes to Gogo Bordello. So on today's episode, we are joined by lead singer and frontman Eugene Hoots of Gogo Bordello right here on the podcast. And Eugene is a very unique individual, a character, you might say, and he's very interesting and very well-spoken. We did this interview at the venue History here in Toronto, and while I was backstage, uh, I, I did get to come across a few of the band members. They really are this band of eccentric characters, and it's a lot of fun and really cool, so I'm really excited to share this episode with you today. So Gogol Bordello released a new album last year in 2022. It's called Solidaritin. And the theme of the album is to support the Ukrainian people during this Russo-Ukrainian war. Eugene being a Ukrainian refugee himself. So it's obviously a matter that is very important to him and to most of the world right now. So definitely support Gogol Bordello in this effort and go check out the album. They've also just released a new single called United Strike Back, which is actually technically by Gogol Bordello and Friends because it features many other artists, including members of Green Day and the Dead Kennedys and, and several others. So definitely check that out as well. If you are new to Gogol Bordello and would like some song recommendations, well, we're going to do the Adamantium Recommend segment right now. So I'm going to pick out five songs that you could check out before or after the interview, starting with their 2010 album Transcontinental Hustle. I'm going to recommend the song Imigreminada and the song Palatute. And then from their 2007 album Super Taranta, I recommend the song Wonderless King and the song American Wedding. And lastly, going back to their 2005 album Gypsy Punk's Underdog World Strike, I recommend the song Start Wearing Purple. And that's a great place to start, but there are many other fascinating songs. What I love about Gogo Bordello is they bring in various European styles into this unique gypsy punk uh, genre that they, they've championed. So definitely explore it for yourself if you're, if you're not a Gogo Bordello listener already. If you are, you definitely know those songs. Don't forget you can also check out the Adamantium Recommends playlist on Apple Music, which features a few of those songs I just mentioned, as well as a selection of other recommendations from all the previous episodes. 
and it's a great playlist for finding new artists you might not have heard before and also it's just a great playlist with tons of great music if you are a gogo bordello fan who is tuning into the adamantium podcast for the very first time today first of all thank you so much for checking us out if you enjoyed today's episode and you'd like to tune in again sometime we'd love for you to hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcasts you can also find the adamantium on social media we're on instagram at the adamantium on facebook at the adamantium podcast and on twitter at adam r harrison sorry we're on x at adam r harrison but you can also find us just by searching the adamantium podcast and that is it for today so let's introduce you to eugene hoots of gogol bordello right here on episode 175 of the adamantium podcast thank you guys again so much for choosing to share your time with us i hope you enjoy the rest of your week God bless, and you'll hear from us here at the podcast again very soon. Here we are with uh, Eugene from Gogo Bardello. Thank you very much for joining me today. Hell yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us, yeah. Awesome. I'm a, I'm a big fan myself, as I, uh, I discovered you guys one day. My exposure to you guys first was at a live show. Okay. I went to go see Flogging Molly. Okay. Um, and my, I'm, I come from an Irish family, so I was right. aware of Celtic Punk, and you guys were playing with, <clears throat> uh, with, with Flogging Molly. Yeah, quite a few shows, actually, in the past, yeah. yeah. And uh, this was my exposure to Gogo Bordello and, and Gypsy Punk. Yeah. And I had the time of my life. I had never heard a song before, and I felt like I was singing along by the end of the night. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, first of all, it, it is quite a kindred kind of spirits with uh, Celtic punk, for sure. And uh, as anthropologists and historians have uncovered recently, there is Plenty of reasons for that because apparently all Celtic people come from modern day Ukraine territory. The migration happened about 1500 years ago. So check that out. Oh. And guess where I read that? Where did you read that? In Irish Independent. Oh, okay. Yeah. There so, you go. so it's got to, yeah. 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 I mean, incredible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so tell me, tell me about, you know, a Gogol Bordello. I mean, I didn't show. need to read that in a Irish Independent actually to already have a suspicion for that because first time I heard the Pogues mm. back when I was a little baby in Ukraine, I, I knew that that's my shit. One of your influences, <laughs> I read that. Of course. I mean, damn. Without, without the Pogues, there'd be no Gogol Bordello. It's 1000%. Really? It's obvious, no? Tell me tell me about the Gogol Bordello. It's, it's more than a band. It's an experience when you come. The, the, the live show is, is an experience. Tell me how that got put together. Was it a combination of the cultures and the music cultures that you uh, experienced in your journey from Ukraine to America? Or was this a concept you had when you got to New York? Well, it was never put together. It was uh, accumulated mm-hmm. over a number of years. Um, there was a bit of um, collective uh, subconscious in play, I believe. You know, it was a turn of the century, very exciting time when people are, um, you know, ready to let go a lot of things and open their, uh, you know, chakras to many new things coming. And a lot of people were excited about 
um, you know, a lot of people got the memo finally from Bob Dylan about that whole don't fear if you hear a sound foreign to your ear. Yeah. And so there was a streak of um, so-called terrible term, world music, you know, which is no, I mean, it's like, <laughs> okay, you know, anything that's not in English is world music, okay. right? <laughs> Whatever, dude. But anyway, there was a streak of music that was coming from uh, Mediterranean and, uh, you know, Balkan area in Eastern Europe and... Uh, and from uh, there was a lot of curiosity about what goes on and like you know musically all, all over the world, mm -hmm. and um, I think that yeah my songs that I was writing they kind of naturally started gathering people who had their ear open to that, mm -hmm. and uh, you know um, I kind of started on a fresh page in in in. In New York City, where I moved in 1997, 98, and um, I kind of basically it basically grew into a family of it's a more of a collective mm -hmm. of artists than just a band. Like as you pointed out yeah. righteously, you know, it it has a presence larger than the band because mm -hmm. it's not just a band. It's it's um, there's many. Um, synergies and all kind of um, even though I'm the principal songwriter but the the impact that particular you know characters in the band bring in is just so undeniable that that's kind of what creates that magic of Gogol Bordello that you know people hear about and um, it was it, it's kind of interesting because since you're asking me about mm -hmm. the origin of it it is a pretty under-radar uh, understanding that Gogo Bordello was not by any means my first band. It actually mm -hmm. was a third, if not fourth, four, well, many, fourth band that I was fronting. And um, I've been in the bands ever since I was, you know, since I was 13, mm -hmm. back in Ukraine. And I left Ukraine with two albums, uh, you know, under my belt as they say you know uh which were awesomely received by indie and punk rock scene so i kind of was really in the pocket with a whole punk and post-punk and avant-garde music already back then uh and it's go bordello is a kind of a really post 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 punk post hardcore post everything mm -hmm. band where after being in punk and hardcore and industrial and electronic bands, I kind of looked, what is the, my main calling here? What's my main gist in the middle of all these eccentricities, you know? And, and uh, you know, it turned out to be songwriting, you know? Mm -hmm. and I, I, was, I realized I kind of, also, <laughs> I've been writing songs since I was, you know, 13 and uh, it seems like People are flocking around it, and uh, nobody is against that. <laughs> so, you know, I decided to kind of uh, to call call a kind of um, a call of the wild <laughs> for the people, uh, musicians who are also shared that post-punk, post-hardcore 
let's get to the bottom of all these things and look at the essence of these great streaks of music and uh, infuse my songs with it. It's kind of like that. I mean, mm, you know what I mean? Like, like, and then the, yeah. the the other guys that you you formed the band with, like like Sergey, um, did you come across them in a, like a similar scene in New York? Is oh, that absolutely you, not. Yeah. It was absolutely no. not similar at all, and uh, that's what I mean by it being so so post punk that um, we had a you know punk rock drummer Elliot. Um, who was really into the Pogues and who essentially wanted to play with us because we, uh, my songs reminded him of the mm. Pogues. And, uh, you know, few, few musicians from Eastern Europe also. And um, it did not become a band with like full drum set and bass and all of that kind of, you know, rock and roll wall of sound until five years later mm. uh, it was kind of a laboratory for looking for new sound mm. and uh, how to make it in non-generic way how to um, you know take all these influences of hardcore without which Google Burrell is also impossible because you know once I got into the States I basically crash landed straight into East Coast hardcore scene mm -hmm. that was the scene that had the most vitality nothing stood even next to it i mean when like you know nirvana got big you know like we couldn't care less right. it's like okay like what is this you know <laughs> you know we would go and see like fugazi and you know and agnostic front and uh you know sonic youth and uh so it was just like oh okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good it helps the movement but uh it had nothing to do with like the, the edge of the of the music you know we we're going to see mad ball and like sick of it all and you know biohazard and bands that were like really sweeping people off their feet and um so that really stuck with me and the more i look back at that era the more i realized that actually nothing has ever really surpassed it even mm -hmm. though i'm a kind of a uh a musical polyglot and i would like uh, you know I'm a big fan of DJing and mm -hmm. uh, selecting and kind of writing a symphony out of all this other music that I know that was written by other people. But, it, you know, it's um, it's amazing. To, and that's why it's so great to see bands like Turnstile, you know, kind of mm -hmm. making waves because they're kind of bringing that undeniable vitality of punk hardcore, mm -hmm. uh, of, of Gorilla Biscuits and, and Youth of Today and... Uh, and a sieve, you know, and, um, you know, maximum penalty and, and Scarhead and, and all these Murphy's Law, of course, like mm -hmm. all these bands that be leeway, all these bands that basically created um, uh, a, a blueprint of all those things that got to be known as, uh, you know, uh, crossover this and crossover that, you know, metal rap and, and, uh, any kind of um, any kind of um, basically bulldozing and power plowing uh, people's ability to understand um, the most the most um, intense music 
with message and with substance, mm. you know. So that's a huge influence on Gogol Bordello. And if you actually put on Gogol Bordello's very first album, uh, the first song, you know, Sacred Darling, it's, it was like, it's going to be a surprise to hear maybe, but if you listen to that song, you'll see how concise it is, you know. It's really to the point, there's no bridges of anything. It's just this and that and very minimal intro and the chorus is very super concise. Darling, darling, my sacred darling. That's all you get. That's all it needs to be. And that is comes directly from like, you know, aesthetic of, uh, you know, chromags and, 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 and agnostic front where mm. just choruses of the songs just are a magic, a spell, a spell that is just put on the audience very fast mm -hmm. with most minimal um, language, uh, most minimal, most impactful, just like, you know, a Chromex song, like Street Justice. Like, mm -hmm. that's the title and that's the chorus. Street Justice, yeah. Street Justice, Street Justice, uh, Street Justice. And that's the form. Amazing. You know. Um, I read that that your dad was a, a guitarist one of the in one of the first rock bands in Ukraine. Yeah, did, not in Chromax. No, yes, <laughs> but you guys made your own instruments when you were saying like you were. Oh yeah, nice since you were. 13. Yeah, absolutely. So did he have an influence on on the musician you became? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am incredibly lucky with who my father is. You know. Now, the documentary came out, a new documentary about Gogol Bordello um, called Whisper, not called mm -hmm. Scream of My Blood, <laughs> originally titled Whisper of My Blood, but became a scream now that there is um, a war and this absolutely um, ridiculous psychopathic invasion going on. Mm -hmm. uh, everything just on that front became very uh, exalted and escalated. So. Um, in this documentary, my dad is everybody's favorite. Okay. At the premiere, people were walking around looking for my dad to meet him, you know, because he's, they were like, oh, we didn't realize your dad is such a hipster. I was like, oh my God, please don't call him that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll kick your ass. He's, a, he's an old school, substantial, yeah. uh, you know, sage of hard rock and, uh, uh, prog, metal, and uh, all that kind of thing. Actually, his favorite music now is industrial metal. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, it's particularly you know German and Scandinavian. Uh, it's just the way my dad is. He's never stopped looking for and developing his musical taste. So his favorite band is like Icebreaker and uh, Icebreaker and uh, and Ruoska from Finland. Yeah. So. Which are great bands. Mm -hmm. I mean, for him, like Rammstein is kind of like two MTV, you know. Really? Yeah, like, right. Yeah, he's like, uh, uh, yeah. What about a band like like Camelot or something like that? Camelot, right? I'm sure that he's aware. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't rap with him about that, but my dad is like, you know, Meshuga, like, oh yeah, he'll yeah. he'll tell you. And so you know, so yeah, his influence was immense because if he's up to you know. Now that he's in his late 60s, he's uh, 
into industrial latest metal. <laughs> Likewise, he was in the latest of everything when you know I was one years old. Yeah. Consequently, I I heard all the cream of the crop music. Of course. Yeah. You know from. Has he ever had a chance to play with Gogo Bordello? Um. Yeah, there was several, several uh, fun uh, occasions where he chimed in. Yeah. You know? Okay. But uh, yeah, it's like we played like Credence songs, you know, which yes, he used yes. to sing me when I was a baby back in Ukraine, like on the side of the bed, you know. Like, have you ever seen the rain, you know, coming down on a sunny day? <laughs> so undeniable John Fogerty classics, you yeah. know. So he's. Um, you know, he took the stage in the States way before me. I remember that as soon as we arrived to the States, he like made friends with a person next door, next to the refugee house, mm-hmm. who was an American fella. And they like went out and get drunk the same night in a bar. And my dad like ended up playing like, <laughs> you know, a few blues songs that he knew. Yeah. In English in this bar and he like yeah came back all absolutely um kind of yeah like we, we're in the right place right time yes, you know what i yeah. mean like you know like we yeah. went to bed and he like went to the local bar and caused a sensation yeah. you know as a guy from ukraine who like somehow knows blues of course we know blues i mean you know music goes worldwide and we have our own tradition of blues in Ukraine that goes a hundred years back mm-hmm. by blind singers, you know, very similar, mm-hmm. very similar, different instrument, uh, bandura or, you know, uh, kobza is a kind of a, bandura is a kind of a, 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 a lyre, a lyre, you know, a form of a lyre. Mm-hmm. And um, so his influence was absolutely immense. Yeah, yeah. I inhaled music with through my through my father essentially you know amazing that's so cool um let's talk while we while we have enough time uh about the latest piece of work Mm -hmm. which is your eighth album because it's a very important album right oh it's Uh, eight wow that's what i counted anyways at least i I learned to count right that was the eighth album uh solidarity yeah um the theme of which is supporting the ukrainian people um, yeah, all right. In well, this current war, needless to say, yeah. Yeah. So tell me, tell me a little bit about what the last couple of years have been like for you, creating this work, uh, you know, creating a, an album and a tour, um, while seeing this happen to your your home country. Well, first of all, truth must be told, it didn't start uh, a year and a half ago, like everybody thinks. The war in Ukraine started nine years ago. Soon it's going to be ten. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are not understanding this are not seeing world they're deaf and blind mm-hmm. um, it started 10 years ago with annexation of uh, Crimea which is absolutely um, horrendous act of terroristic violence and um, with uh, major you know investment into disinformation by you know who mm-hmm. trying to disseminate some kind of uh, worldwide narratives about some kind of a 
Russia's uh, what do you call it entitlement to all these things it's like what entitlement <laughs> what entitlement so now they had to learn a lesson and this lesson they will remember for hundreds of years mm-hmm. from now on that that entitlement is their own delusion of grandeur mm-hmm. and um, uh, any kind of idea that uh, somebody in Ukraine was waiting for them with flowers to liberate them is absolute load of trash. And then now, finally, the world is trying to see who they've been dealing with and mm-hmm. what they've been and how and how easily the world has been um, moronically uh, falling for all these uh, Hollywood-esque ideas of this uh, some kind of. Uh, some kind of uh, entitled Russia, you know, it's just like that's the end of that era right mm-hmm. here, you know, because uh, it, it, it's a problem when people buy in into some kind of uh, notion without fact checking it and uh, and right. um, without having any analytical or historical knowledge of it. Do you think that our eyes have been opened or not enough? Uh, it's starting to to open. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a bit uh, because now that they discredited themselves so hard mm-hmm. by doing just about every step of the way that they do is um, is pretty um, detrimental to their own uh, worldwide reputation that's just who they are mm-hmm. uh, so uh, as a as a as um, as I mean it's just like as the entire world is like that had uh, colonial uh, past and problems with that mm-hmm. are trying to undo their karma and trying to apologize and release all the colonies and trying to get on with a new era where like that mentality is not um, you know suggested mm-hmm. These guys are like boasting about their uh, supposed uh, imperial entitlement rights. It's just so moronic and uh, out of touch and out of step with everything that's around them. Mm-hmm. No wonder the entire world is on the side of Ukraine because mm-hmm. yeah, yo, it's fucking 2023. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not 1823, mm-hmm. and it's not 1723. Yeah, some of those uh, criteria they call us sacred in, in Russia are, are straight out from 1623. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, especially because obviously these songs are have a very important message to them. And stuff. Tell me how you balance because like I, f- I find part of a, a Gogo Bordello show that the mission is you know let's party and let's have a good time together, and then at the same time you know you've got some songs with some very serious message how how do you navigate the two of those kind of yeah uh i don't navigate it okay Uh, this is actually a kind of really uh forgive me but this is kind of like (laughs) pretty ass backwards look at gogol bordello okay it was never about any kind of party or anything like that and uh, that's just byproduct of it okay uh i couldn't give a fuck about less about part so-called party as people understand it mm-hmm. um it's uh, rather something more of an existential uh 
quest and overcoming all the possible odds and celebrating uh, perseverance, mm. uh, resilience, and other natural traits that street wise people champion in this world. And particularly, you know, uh, some traits I observed in my own family, you know. Um, so the whole idea of uh, uh, a party is, is really, um, <laughs> that's like a, you know, it's like a common denominator, perhaps lowest common denominator that there is within Google Bordello music because it's a very um, easy thing to understand. It's a party. Or celebration, maybe. A yeah. celebration of even that of is cult. even even that is pretty flimsy, you know, okay. description. I mean, it is a celebration, but this the celebration doesn't come uh, out of fucking idea. Like, let's put on some fucking stupid hats and, right. you, know, and, and, and you know, and have some shots. Yeah, that anybody can do. Right. This is kind of more of a triumph over the odds, mm-hmm. and uh, anybody who experienced. Um, Anybody who experienced in their life um, triumph over the odds against them is has a certain feeling about it and knows the feeling and um, and um, Golo Bordello was as I said it was a post punk post hardcore post art punk mm. post all those things incarnation of the gist of all those movements mm-hmm. you know and uh, all those movements had a lot of odds against them mm-hmm. and we as uh, you know immigrants had a lot of odds against us you know you know you're starting from a scratch and from bottom up when you <laughs> arrive in a new country with uh, not a one single phone number in your notebook Mm -hmm. like that's starting from scratch (laughs) and um yeah in in a in a highly competitive world you know curving out a place of your own and being an artist and and making a living and servicing the community essentially essentially Mm -hmm. i mean we're not rich artists you know, uh, we're not from uh, uh, also the entire whole idea of like velvet ropeness of like mm-hmm. that whole like fucking VIP bullshit, like never sat with us and with me in particular. Yeah, it's, it's, this band is not about that. It's um, it's rather like a, a living dynamic force that continue persevering against the odds, mm-hmm. continues persevering about the odds. Mm-hmm. It's another misconception about Gogo We made it and now we're like thriving on louvers, you know, like, right. like that never fucking happened, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, there was never any kind of moment where, wow, now they're big, you know what I mean? Uh, it's been continuously growing for mm-hmm. all these years and uh, we remain to be popular because we don't um we continue we, we continue to be popular because we never um became too popular mm. we never saturated uh anybody's ear and um nobody um you know fully kind of yeah fully understood the whole thing mm-hmm. 
you know, except for the diehards, you know. And that way, the, the word keeps spreading, but it's spreading on a very uh, unique accord. Mm -hmm. It's spreading on its own kind of wings. And, um, you know, with like, uh, with, with the involvement of social media, that was another um, whole layer of uh, fans and, you know, mm -hmm. but I, I wouldn't say that, you know, if you look at like the kind of uh, pivotal points, in, the points that some people consider as pivotal for us, you know, uh, recording, uh, you know, Gypsy Punk's record mm -hmm. or, uh, or film coming to embrace Gogol Bordello, you know, being in, in a film and, mm -hmm. and, and uh, everything is illuminated and uh, filth and wisdom and and um, uh, uh, the wrist cutters and uh, several documentaries and then making records with some of the greatest producers of our time, you know, the Steve Albini, as I said, uh, you know, Rick Rubin, Victor Van Voogt, Andrew Sheps. Yeah, if you look at our trajectory, really, it's not like any one of those things, or playing with Madonna, you know, all mm -hmm. that, all that kind of, all kind of, that kind of like a big pop culture splashes. Not, it's like there's not after any one of those dates, we woke up and we're like, okay, spike. Now it's like, like there was always like a, a little bit, 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 because this music is not for everybody, mm -hmm. and uh, it's not supposed to be for everybody, mm -hmm. you know, and. Um, it's um, it's like you know people who like Madonna's music like like I don't see people who wearing Madonna's t-shirts at our shows. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> it was a very particular. Uh, how did you how did you get connected with? I was very curious about that. How did you get connected with Madonna in the first place and end up in one of her movies? Well, it's actually quite logical. Um, there's a quite a few people in common friends. You okay. Know? And um, I think I think from what I gather, Jonas Ackerland, film director, amazing guy, you know, mm -hmm. ex drummer of uh, black metal band Battery from uh, Norway. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he became a very uh, great um, film director and. Um, video maker I think every Rammstein video okay. is made by him uh, and uh, many Madonna's uh, videos are made by him okay so um, you know I think he was the first one to tell her about us and uh, you know, then she came and saw a couple shows actually quite candidly mm -hmm. and then we finally got in touch um, some like years later you know and um, ended up playing together at that live event, live live Earth, right? Yeah, live Earth, and um, and then the idea of a movie came up. You know, I had a month off, and we made that movie in like ten days, basically. You know? Amazing. Did and did you have like was acting always like part of your career goal, or or did 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 it just kind of come up? I did some things in the theater and I was like in a couple indie kind of tryout, like Lower East Side, you know, yeah. <laughs> movies like, you know, like a Nick Zed's, um, you know, you but know. But acting uh, was always something you liked to do? Um, yeah, I didn't ever look at it as something that's like to focus on, right. but 
but um, I didn't think anything about it. Right. Here's the thing. I'm not one of those people who thinks like acting and being like famous actor is mm -hmm. like top of the line experience. Right. Like I don't fucking need that. Mm -hmm. You know, as a matter of fact, it's pretty detrimental, especially if you know the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, uh, you know, it, it's ironically enough, you know, a lot of great actors that, you know, that I like and, um, you know, they all want to be musicians, you know. And so there is this a bit of vice versa that's going on, you know, between musicians and uh, and actors. But the truth is that musician lifestyle is a lot more um, gratifying. Mm -hmm. And like I'd, I'd be telling this to my children, like you know, if I ever get around to that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whenever whenever touring eases up, you know, um, that yeah. I I, uh, I will always vouch for musical lifestyle because even if you're not, you know, fully blown up, you know, super successful musician, even if you're just like touring quite, um, uh, you know, let's say minimally, regionally and whatever, it's a still quite a great way of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're playing music, you're vibrating on a healing um, uh, frequency, you know, provided you're playing music that you love. Yeah. So don't get stuck right. playing right. not music that you don't love. You know, <laughs> don't get stuck there. And um, and um, you know, I look at musicians as kind of lucky bastards. You know, for yeah. the most part, even agree. the ones who are whining about how they like never made it and yeah. how they like. You know, touring is still in a van and, and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, or, or, you know, a lot of people actually touring in a van while basically they made it. You know, um, it's just a great way of life. So get it together and see it from right perspective. You know, it's a fucking great way to dialogue with the world. You know, uh, people always going to need music. Mm -hmm. People always uh, enjoy genuine music. And um, uh, God, yeah, yeah. I, uh, Jim Jarmusch, you know, one of my um, favorite film directors and a musician also, and um, and and a friend of mine for quite some years now. Um, that's just magic of living in New York City, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he has a great point of view. He's always like, well, musicians are just magical people, like. The fuck would be doing without them, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and it's such a simple uh, way of looking at it, uh, but it's it's the gist of it. Musicians are magical people, and without them, what the fuck would everybody be doing? Mm -hmm. You know, um, that would be uh, I think the weddings and every kind of celebration, everything would be just not empty. as fucking great. It's empty. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, maybe we could do without music industry. Maybe we could do without uh, even, uh, you know, labels. Maybe we could do without this. Maybe we could do without that. But but what's what happens if musicians stops playing? Mm -hmm. I think there's a... A vacuum happens. Yes. A big void suddenly happens, you know. So God there's... bless 
them all, you know, yeah, including, including us. <laughs> you can be, a, there, I think there can be an element of a soundtrack to any part of your day, even, you know, like, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. Well, Eugene, thank you so much for, for taking some time. This was a great Fuck yeah, man. Thank definitely. you. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. And have a great, have a great show tonight. Fuck yeah. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.